0: and uh, that you'll fall more in love with God, more in love with His Word, and more in love with people. Well, good morning, everybody. How are we? How are we doing? Okay, all right. I just want to make sure you guys were awake. Now, listen, I understand that it is Memorial Day weekend, and uh, I'm sure everybody is uh, ready, eager, eager, and got something planned for later today or tomorrow, but uh, I want to encourage you amidst uh, whether you look at this as uh, the beginning of summer, which is not why we have Memorial Day, or what, I want to encourage you just to take a few moments today or tomorrow to remember why, uh, if you're off of work tomorrow, why you have that day off, a day of rest, and, and to remember the families of those who have lost loved ones. In fact, If we took a poll in the room, and certainly we have a lot of folks that are traveling this weekend or out or whatnot, but if we were to take a poll, I would dare say that most of the families in this room have someone in their uh, recent or not too far family tree that gave up their life uh, in defense of this country. And so I want to encourage you to uh, remember those uh, who have lost loved ones, especially uh, closer uh, in some of the, uh, the, uh, the things that have taken place uh, in recent years and uh, certainly we don't have to go too far back to remember those who lost their life even as uh, we were trying to pull troops out of Afghanistan. And so uh, certainly very, very raw emotion and very uh, deep for some families this morning. I do want to uh, mention a couple of things. Uh, gentlemen, uh, please help me out. Don't leave today without uh, signing up. I know some of you do it online, but signing up for the men's prayer breakfast this coming Saturday. Parents, uh, we need your assistance. With those who have uh, already signed up or are aware of the graduation, we'll be honoring our graduates next Sunday. But we need your help with uh, information and photos, so if you'll get that into us uh, sooner rather than later, that would be appreciated. And then not in the too far distant future, it'll be Father's Day, and uh, we're going to do something different this year. On Father's Day, we'll be having child uh, dedication. Typically, we do that on Mother's Day, uh, but this year we decided to throw Dad a bone. And uh, so we'll be doing that on Father's Day this year, and so uh, looking forward to that on the 18th. And then June just seems very, very busy because June the 19th, we have kids camp that whole week. And then the following week, we have middle school camp. And so a lot of things taking place in the month of June. If you have your Bible, turn with me. We're going to begin in Psalm Psalm 127. And as you're turning, we can do a couple of things at once. I want to ask you to pray for uh, uh, the Kuntz family, Brother Herb. Uh, lost his dear brother Don yesterday and uh, the Lord called Don home and so I'd ask that you be praying for Herb and Sean and the rest of the family and Judy but the rest of the family down in the Houston, Texas area as arrangements are made and that God would be honored and that souls would be saved uh, through brother Don's home going and I know that they would appreciate it and so many others that we're praying for from Ron Borta and his recovery, Darren's good friend, and Miss Vicki, I see Wes back there, but we're praying for Miss Vicki and her health, and Marilyn Rich Creek uh, was back in the hospital, we're praying for her, she's home now, and, and certainly uh, the list goes on and on, Elmer and Carolyn uh, Preston. I mean, we could just, literally, we could just pray the whole service, amen? So I want to encourage you to keep one another in Prayer, and uh, it is very, very important. Thank you so much, by the way, for being here. Look with me beginning in verse number one. We're just going to look at the portion of this first verse, and we'll get started this morning. The Bible says in Psalm 127, verse number one, except the Lord, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Now, you know, we've been talking about family matters. And the reality is that it has been said, maybe you've heard this before like me, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will what? I can attest, and I'm sure all of us could attest from personal experience, that's not the case. Anybody say that's not the case? case. I mean, sticks and stones do hurt, but so do words. In fact, our words and the way that we communicate with one another, especially within the family, hello, especially in the family, has the ability to do significant damage. And because from even before we were born, the re- the reality is that every relationship before we are born, every relationship is established, it's developed and it's maintained or not only is it established, developed or maintained, but it can be destroyed can be destroyed by the means of communication do you realize that anybody ever had a friendship go sour because of the words communication anybody ever had problems within the family unit because of words that were said in anger words that were said amiss i mean the reality is communication is pretty huge when it comes to the family and the reality is uh, of life is that god is the author of communication I mean, from the very beginning, if you look back in Genesis chapter 1, in the very beginning, Genesis 1-1, the Bible says that God communicated right there in verse 1. It says, and in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. So we see communication. If you look at verse 2, the Bible says the Spirit of God moved moved upon the face of the waters. And then in verse number 3, God communicates verbally. Look at verse number 3. It says, and God said, let there be light. And there was What? You see, when God says something, that settles it. When he says, let there be light, it was light. That's what the scripture teaches us. So in Genesis 1, 1 alone, and we could go on and on. And I would encourage you, I was reading Genesis 1 the other day. You say, man, don't you know Genesis 1? Yes, it's okay to read it over and over and over again. Hello? All right, let's, and I was, here's what I was doing. I was counting in my head every time that God spoke throughout Genesis 1. And the reality is that God speaks in Genesis chapter 1. He communicates verbally over and over again. And when he speaks with words, here's what happens. Life happens. In fact, John, in John's gospel, John chapter 1, puts it this way by saying in verse number 1 and following, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Look at verse 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. So God communicates with us through his creation, through his Son, through his Spirit, through his Word, and the reality is that he wants you and I to communicate with him as well. Do we know that? He wants us to communicate with us as well. Now here's the deal. If he's the author of creation then I would suggest that he has a way that we should create. And in fact, if we look throughout Scripture, the reality is the, the, the first part of, uh, of our communication with him involves listening. We have to listen to see what God has to say. Anybody here would be willing to admit, you don't have to raise up your, harm, uh, your hands, but you can give a holy grunt. Anybody here willing to admit that you're not a very good listener? I hear you rumbling. I hear the rumbling. We're not not good listeners, are we? Like we sometimes, I mean, hey, listen, marriage has, has revealed some things to me. It's revealed that I'm not as good a listener as I think I am. Anybody ever had that problem? And then my wife started after a while, she started saying, maybe you need hearing aids. I have them. I don't wear them all the time. I know she said that that would get her. They're sitting at home in their little little device, the little cleaning device. I think they're clean by now. <laughs> but here's the deal. We're, we're supposed to listen to God. But also the second part of our communication with God includes this, this verbal communication uh, up, and it's called prayer. And even though this would seem simple enough, you and I, we fail. We tend to mess it up all the time, don't we? Even just our communication this way. In fact, years ago, it was A.W. Tozer who said these words. He said, thought and speech are God's gifts to creatures made in His image. These are intimately associated with Him and impossible apart from Him. And so here's the reality. If I'm not communicating in a healthy way with God this way, it's going to be virtually impossible Pick it up what I'm throwing down. If I'm not communicating this way in a healthy way, it's going to be virtually impossible for me to communicate with my wife or anybody else for that matter in a healthy way. Yeah, it's quiet. It's about as quiet as it was last week when we started talking about anger. Anybody here last week we started talking about anger? Who was ready to leave last week after we talked about anger besides me, Right? These are things that are important for our family because families matter. To God. As believers, the reality is we can grow spiritually and we can develop our communication skills. But the reality is the way that we're going to grow, the way that we're going to develop biblical communication skills is actually to get into the Bible, to study it, to meditate upon the Word of God and to let it direct our lives. And so for that to happen, we have to apply what we learn. A lot of people know a lot about God. Have you ever met people who know a lot about God? They know a lot about Jesus. They say, man, man I read all this, and I know this, and, and doesn't the Bible say this, and doesn't it say this, and yon and yon and yon, and yet they never take it and apply it to their own lives. We have to be careful of that. We can read, we can learn. It's like reading a, a, a great novel or a great book, and you read it maybe just for enjoyment, and you say, man, that was an awesome Tom Clancy book, or that was an awesome this book. And, and we walk away, we feel satisfied that we read something, and, and it, it, it was great. And even British literature, one of the things that I'll tell you is when I went back to school, when I, after I retired from the military, and I went back to school, I was at Bible College, and one of the classes that I did not want to attend was a class called British Literature. I was like, are you kidding me? There's no way that I need British literature to be in ministry. Now, you got to realize I'm a missions major, and so uh, I was praying, Lord, where are you going to send me? You know, I was singing that song, Send Me Everywhere. Please don't send me to Africa, you know, with the lions and tigers and bears and and all these things. And and the reality is, God said, No, I'm going to send you to Virginia with all the lions and tigers and bears. But what I realized very quickly was that even reading British literature, you could pick up on the pros and the cons when it came to biblical theories and thoughts throughout these books. You can be smart about what God has to say and never apply it and it'll never benefit your life. And when it comes to communication, the reality is this, I put this, if I'm never in God's word listening vertically and I'm never on my knees praying vertically, the reality is that my communication horizontally inside or outside of the family is going to suffer. It's just going to suffer because listening and speaking are a part of it and the goal of communication you know is the uh, the goal of our communication really should be to please God and also to benefit we're talking about communication within the family to com- to not only please God but to benefit the family in some way and so let's see if God's word has something to help us out this morning turn with me to psalm 19 i'm going to have you look at psalm 19 and then we're going to go to another passage very quickly this morning psalm 19 And when you get to Psalm 19, I want you to drop down. If you're a note taker, here's the first thing I want us to understand. Our communication, watch this, our communication will never change. It will never change unless our heart changes. Let that sit for a second. Our communication will never change. And by the way, I'm talking about this way and this way. Unless my heart changes, I'm not going to listen to God. Unless my heart changes, I'm not going to pray to God. I'm not going to talk with God. I'm not going to meditate on his word. And therefore, if my heart's not changing me this way, then the reality is my heart's not going to be changed this way when it comes to communication. So here's the thought. Our communication will never change unless our heart changes. Look at Psalm 19 and verse number 13. And the Bible says, in Psalm 19, verse number 13, it says, Keep back thy servant, right? David's praying here. He says, Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. That word presumptuous is a big old word, just means willful sins. He says, Keep back thy servant from willful sins. Let not them have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent from thy great transgression. Look at verse 14. You've heard me pray this before. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation to my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. So what we find here is David is asking God, number one, to keep him from sin, and number two, to govern or to sanctify his words and his thoughts. You see, David's prayer, his his desire, if you please... Now, hold on to that word desire, because we're going to see it in just a second. His desire was that his prayer life and his praise life would be consistent, but also be acceptable to God. If our desire, right, is that our communication be acceptable to God... That's going to drive a lot of what we do when it comes to life. So here's the thing. Vertically, we can be sure if our praise and our prayers to God are acceptable, we can, sure, we can be sure that not only is this acceptable, but we can be sure that when we communicate this way, it's going to be acceptable. You want to know why? Because the two are connected. The way I talk to God is the way that I typically talk to other people. Anybody? Anybody? Anybody in the room today? <laughs> the way I, that we talk to God is typically the way that we talk to other people. There's a connection. But sadly, this little thing right here, am I the only one that has ever gotten in trouble because of this? This little thing right here, man, James has a lot. We don't have time to go into all, all of what he says, but this little thing right here has a propensity To do a great deal of damage. And it gets us into trouble. Here's when when our mouth gets us into trouble. When we profess one thing. Watch this. When we profess one thing. But we allowed something completely opposite of that profession to proceed out of these lips. And that's why, I'll be honest with you. That's why most people, you know, like if you're professing one thing. You're, you're professing one thing to people, but they see something completely different coming out of your mouth, and then you want to turn around and invite them to come hear about Jesus? They're like, no, nah, thank you. They're like, no, nah, no, nah, nah. Hey, listen, I got a tea time. I got a tea time at about 10 a.m. That sounds good today, doesn't it, Tim? I got a, I got a tea time. Uh, I, I'm sorry, I can't come. I can't come and hear about Jesus because, sir, you're fake. See, they watch And moms and dads, grandpa and grandma, now let me hold on, pick up what I'm putting down. It can wreak damage, wreak havoc within the family. So that your children, so that your grandchildren, so that your nephews and nieces, they don't want anything to do with Jesus because they look at dad and mom, they look at grandpa and grandma or auntie and uncle and they say, why would I want that? Because what they profess is not what I see proceeding out of their mouth. So our communication will never change unless our heart changes. Listen to what Jesus declared in Matthew chapter 12 in verse number 34 and following. Jesus says, oh generation of vipers. He says, how can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance, watch this, out of the abundance or the overflow, so to speak, of the mouth, the heart, out of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Verse 35, a good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. But I say this unto you, that every idle word, not only important words, but he says every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. For by your words thou shalt be justified, and by your words thou shalt be condemned. The reality is that our mouth reveals our heart. Yeah, that's what all of us ought to be doing, Linda. Because mm. we have all been there and done that. We've all been there and done that. And this isn't me po- poking the finger or pointing the finger. Because guess what? I tell people, like, if you're someone who likes to point the finger, just remember, sir or ma'am, there's three more coming right back at you. See, we all like to point to somebody else who has a problem with the heart, which is, which is being seen through the way that they use their words. But when we start pointing the finger, what we're really saying is, is, is listen, um, I don't want to think about this for me, so I'm going to think about this message for somebody else, and I'm going to take this pastor. What an amazing message. I got an uncle. I ch- I, I'm going to get him to watch this message. Typically, when we're thinking about what somebody else needs, we fail to realize, or to, as the book entitlement says, uh, man in the mirror, we fail to look at the man in the mirror and see what we need in proverbs in proverbs 18 verse 21 the bible teaches us by saying this it says death and life are in the power of the tongue and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof notice it says death and life so death is in the power of the tongue and when we talk about death we're talking about careless vain frivolous words that seem harmless but i can assure you they're not They're not harmless. Mocking words. That's a sneer, a jab, a poke here, a poke there. Those things cut. They're deadly and they cut deadly. Speech that's filled with lying. Don't get me started on lying. It produces or gives birth to more lies. Slanderous words are used when the goal, watch this, slanderous words are used when the goal is to smear someone's reputation. Death is in the power of the tongue, but also the beautiful thing is that we have the opportunity to choose life in the power of the tongue. Notice, gracious words take the place of careless speech. Comforting or encouraging words can replace words that mock. Kind words take the place of cruel words. Truth is spoken instead of lies, and pure speech is used by God to enlighten and to cleanse the lives of people who have been hurt by means spirited. And oftentimes, oftentimes, to be honest, not only slanderous, but sinful speech. The last part of that verse, look at it again, guys. If you'll show it again, the last part of the verse, it says, and they that love it. Those are those who like to talk. Have you ever met somebody who just likes to talk, 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 talk? The reality is sometimes we ought to keep our mouth shut. We'll be counted as wise. But there's those that love to talk, 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 talk. But notice what the Bible says, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. And so this verse is really speaking about the fact that death and life are brought upon us and others by the good or the bad words that we use. And so we have to be careful. Our communication will never change unless our heart changes. And the reason this is so is because here's another thought. Our heart is motivated by desire, by a series of desires. You see, our communication will never change unless our heart changes. And this is so because our, our, our speech, our heart, is motivated by a series of desires. Again, Jesus said in Matthew 12 and verse 34, he said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what that says, what that means to us is whatever is going on inside, watch this, it's going to somehow, some way, someday make its way Out of the mouth. You might try and hide it. You might try and keep it down. And you think, I'm on my my best behavior today. The reality is Jesus says one day it's going to come out. Now turn with me over to James chapter 1. This will be the main kind of thrust. And I shared this, uh, some of these thoughts about six years ago. And uh, I want to share a couple of thoughts from this passage and when you get to James chapter 1, let's read the passage first. And then, guys, I'll ask you to put up uh, the slide here in just a second. In James chapter 1, when you get there, it's on page 781 in my Bible. Drop down and look at verse number 13. Verse number 13. James chapter 1 and verse number 13 and following. The Bible says, Let no man say... When he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin, and sin when it is finished, bringeth forth death. And then verse number 16 says, do not err, my beloved brethren. So now let's break down this passage Guys, if you'll put up the slide so anybody wants or is interested in this, they can get a snapshot of what's going on in this passage. Look at verse 13 again. The Bible begins, it says, Let no man say. The word man, as you see it throughout this passage, is in the neuter tense. And so, ladies, I got some good news and I got some bad news. You're not left out. That's the good news. The bad news is you're not left out. <laughs> It's the same. So watch what it says. It's neuter tense. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. In other words, we need to quit blaming God. You know what happens many times is the way we communicate with our family is we, we say harsh words, we say hateful words, we say angry words, and then we say, oh, you know, I, I just got carried away. And, and instead of blaming the devil, sometimes we blame God. And by the way, Let's quit blaming the devil. Sometimes we just do it on our own accord. And the devil gets more credit for things that he never has a part of. I mean, we give him credit all the time. The devil made me do it. No, the devil didn't make you do it. You're just a sinful, selfish person made you do it. Me, myself, and I. We do that. We're all, we're all covered with flesh. Notice it says, Let no man say that when he's tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil. Neither tempt ye any man or woman. Look at verse 14. But every man or woman is tempted when they are drawn away of their own lusts and enticed. And when lust has conceived or it gives birth, it brings forth sin. You know lust had a baby. That's what it's saying. It says, and lust and enticed. And when lust has conceived, here's the baby. It brings forth sin it brings forth sin now lust in and of itself is not necessarily a bad thing because you can desire or lust for godliness you can you can have a desire to be godly and to speak godly and to and to lead your family in a godly way but notice here it says when he is drawn away of his own lust and entice then when lust hath conceived it brings forth sin and sin when it is finished it brings forth death do not err my beloved brethren and that last verse When it says, do not err, my beloved brethren, the idea is that don't make the mistake of supposing that it was God who caused you to sin. Because God, notice the twofold negative stance here. You got a twofold negative stance. God is not temptable, number one. And number two, God does not tempt us. God tests our faith, the devil or Satan tempts us. You see, there's a difference. God God will test our faith. He'll say, hey, I want to see how your journey of faith is going, so let's see how strong you are in your faith. The devil wants to tempt our flesh. Sadly, most of our communication problems come from the fact that instead of listening to God and his word and what God has to say, we spend more time listening to the desires of what I want to say. That's the bottom line. When, when I speak amiss, the reality is the reason I do that is because I'm speaking out of my own heart, my own sinful, selfish desires. Notice verse 14. There's two phrases, or, or one phrase and another word that I want you to see. In verse number 14, the phrase drawn away. Notice, it means to be enticed or dragged forth. Now, the only thing I would say is that we are drawn away of our own lust and enticed. Now, we'll get there to entice in just a second. Sometimes, Have you ever seen somebody be dragged away? Sometimes, now watch this, sometimes people are kicking and screaming when you drag them away. Mom and dad, you may have had this occurrence happening. You know, uh, when my boys were little, they had a drug problem. I drug them to church. And you know, when they got to where they thought they knew more than me, which didn't take long, you know, about three, they decided they, they, they knew better. Now, I'm being a little bit facetious, but the reality is, have you ever seen somebody be drugged somewhere and they go kicking and screaming? <laughs> but there's also a time, now watch this, watch this. Sometimes we sit back like we're at the beach and we let our lust and our desire just drag us away. Oh, slip, slide, in away. No big problem. But also notice the word enticed. In verse number 14, the word enticed literally means to be entrapped, to be beguiled, or to be lured. It's as if, how many fishers, fishermen or fisher women do we have in this place? Like you put a, a lure on the line and you throw that lure out there and some lures work better than others. Some of you say, I never use lures, I only use live bait. Whatever it is, you're luring a fish. And your desire is to get that fish on the hook. Am I right, Wes? I see Wes back there. He's a big old fisherman, right? You're throwing the lure out there and you're trying, watch this, as a fisherman, you're trying to convince the fish to bite the hook. And that dirty devil is trying to convince us. He's trying to destroy our families. We got to wake up. He's out there fishing. You know, the Bible says that he walks about seeking whom he may devour. But he's out there fishing. He's trying to get you and I. He's trying to get us to bite the hook of poor communication in our homes. And when that happens, damage ensues. Oh, it's a big thing. Look at at the progression of our text. Show the next slide. The progression of our text, we see in verse number 14 and 15, we see the word lust which is the word epithumia, then moves to sin, hamartia, and then death, thanatos. And so you can see it on your screen, but the word lust speaks of this idea of coveting, this idea of desire, the idea of longing. So the question for us is, what is it when we speak to one another, what is it that we covet? What is it that we desire? What is it that we long for? We have to ask ourselves that question. When when problems ensue, when things are going awry, what is it that I am epithumia for? What am I lusting for? Because then the very next word that I want you to see in the progression is the word sin. It's the Greek word hamartia, and it means to miss the mark. And you've heard me say many times before, I had a professor at Bible college, and he put it this way. He said, if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. Of course, he was in his 70s. He used to jump up on a chair when he'd say it. I thought, man, this guy is like parkouring. He's 70. Uh, The the older folks don't know what that means. I, I know some of the younger people are like, they don't know what parkour means. Man, he was levitating. He would jump up on this chair and he would say, guys, if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. So think about it. If the goal is to praise God and the goal is to benefit the family, what mark are we shooting for? See if we aim at, if we don't aim at the goal then we'll hit it every time. We have to be careful what are we coveting what are we desiring what are we longing for because that desire leads to sin and then sin the bible says in our text in verse 15 that it leads to death thanatos just as adam's sin brought about death moral death and spiritual death in the world so does the fruit of our sinfulness coming out of our mouth bring death Like I said last week, you may not literally murder anybody like Cain did, but your anger can cause murder within the family. We have to be careful of our words and our anger, and on and on it goes. And so notice how the heart drives our communication. So you see the lust, sin, and death, and so here's how it comes back to our communication. Desire, action, consequence. I use this all the time. Whatever our desire is, it leads to an action, and whatever that action is, it leads to a consequence. Anybody hear me? Anybody know that that's reality? Whatever the desire is, okay? So, because here's the thing. Desire focuses on the immediacy of a carnal carnal thought, a carnal focus, a carnal desire. And most of the time, like I said it, in and of itself, it may not be bad, but most of the time... It's in a negative sense when we talk about desires. And so when it comes to communication, it's been said that if we have the right desires motivated by right concerns, then we will produce godly actions. However, if we have the wrong desires motivated by wrong concerns, our communication will always lead to unpleasant consequences. Somebody say the word unpleasant. unpleasant. Have, you ever, have you ever had unpleasant consequences in your home? because of this little thing? I never have. I mean... (laughs) Am I right? (laughs) You're you're like, I always look over at my wife, she's like, "Mm, mmm. Mmm. Hey, you guys understand that I'm covered with flesh too, right? right. Thank God for his amazing grace. If you're perfect in this room... uh, then I'm sorry, this message doesn't apply for you. But I dare say none of us in this room are perfect. There's only one who is perfect. Guys, this is so important for the family. Which is why I dug this six-year-old thought out to kind of bring back to our attention because we're, we're, I always say that adults are just kids in big bodies. We're just kids in big bodies and we have to be reminded too it's just like teaching a child his or her ABCs. We have to be told over and over again, don't touch the stove, dummy. Yeah. Anybody done that recently? I did. I burned my hand right here. I've got a burn mark where I touched the stinking, what do they call that little thing? Toaster oven. I'm not sure those things are, are good for us. Burn my hand. I guess if I wouldn't have touched it, it wouldn't have burned my hand. The same thing's true when it comes to our communication. We have to be so careful. So, if we know that our heart is motivated by a series of desires, here's the last thought I want to give you the desires of our heart will determine our actions. So, if our heart is motivated by desires, then those desires will determine our action. Right? And so when we communicate, by the way, when we communicate, there's more than just what's coming out of our mouth that we have to be careful of. We have to be care, careful of our choice of words. We live in a, we live in a society now who's so, 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 so careful not to say the wrong word. Am I right? We have to be careful of our tone of voice. We have to be careful of our body language. You know, our body language speaks. I've had, I've had couples come in sometimes, and, uh, and I'll counsel, and I can tell right away what's going on, uh, you know, like if I, have two, if I have two that are in it to win it, or if I have one who's checked out, or if I have another one who's checked out, or if I have two that are checked out just by body language. You know, they come in and sit down, And sometimes if somebody, like, I'll just give you an illustration. Man, I'm doing all kind of stuff today, right? Might as well give the illustration. Like they come in, and I have one chair in front of my desk, but usually I have two. And I usually kind of angle them in and got the desk. If somebody sits down, I'm over here. I want to say, hello, sir. Hello, ma'am. If the person is like this, they're off to the edge. Like, I'm over here. I don't know who you're talking to out here, but there's a window over there, sir. Or... Oh, y'all can't see this over here. Yeah, bless me, pastor. that's just in my office. Can you imagine what body language can do? We have to be careful because the devil is walking about seeking whom he may devour. He wants to destroy your walk with the Lord. He wants to destroy your family. This is so important. Our desire, the desire of our heart determines our action. And and all of these Tone of voice, body language, and choice of words, they all flow from the desire of our hearts. So if that's the case, then and we understand that desires drive our communication, then we have to ask ourselves a couple of questions. Write them down if you have the opportunity to write it down. Number one, ask yourself what are the issues, what are the issues mo- that I most commonly discuss or typically argue about with my spouse, with my children, or my child or other family members? What is it that I most oftenly most oftentimes discuss or argue about and then number two what are the most con- common desires that I have when I to d- discuss these things so what are the issues that I argue about or talk about and what are my typical desires when I argue about these things with people and so to give us an illustration I want you guys to put up slide number four here's slide number four so I told you desires go to con- ac- actions and actions have consequences So if our desire, I have people sometimes come in and they say, Pastor, I just want to be heard. Anybody ever want to just be heard? I think we've all been there a time or two, and I'm not saying that in and of itself is bad. Uh, Maybe you come in and you say, hey, I just want to be right one time. She's always right. Or he's always right. (laughs) I would just settle if we would just all agree that Jesus is right. Right? None of us are ever always right. right. Sir, you're not always right. Even if you are a cleric. Ma'am, you're not always right. Here's another one. I don't know what all the fuss is. I just want to solve issues, right? I just want to move on. Like moving on is like shuffling it under the rug. I just want to move on. I don't want to deal with the issue. I don't want to deal with the problem that's going on. I just want to move on. I want to have agreement, pastor. Those are all great thoughts in and of themselves, but the actions that we take to do that sometimes do not speak of godliness, right? Notice here the actions. So if I want to be right, I get angry. If I want to be heard, I can get loud. I can verbally attack. I cannot solve problems quickly. Oh, by the way, here's one there on there. If I want to be right, you know what sometimes we do because of our desire? We become a little, we just tell a little lie. Little dishonesty. But you know what? Little lies grow up and they become adult lies. See, what we do is we say, well, I want to be right, so therefore I'm just going to skew the truth a little bit. I'm going to walk out here on the edge. I'm not going to be a liar, but I'm just going to skew it a little bit. I'm going to to give it a little bit of color context. I'm like like a sports commentator. I'm going to give all the stats. No, just, just speak the truth in love. Quit giving all the stats, right? But so here's what happens. We, we, we have these desires, we take on these actions, and then here are the consequences we, we, we see. Tension and frustration and discouragement and hopelessness. And here's the thing I put in my notes. If we're experiencing the things that are on this screen at the consequence level, it's because something went wrong at the desire level. If you're experiencing the things, if you're experiencing tension and frustration and disagreement and ongoing anger and ongoing uh, uh, discord in the home, something went wrong at the desire level. And so what do we do? We have to identify the problem. and We have to begin to allow God's word and God's ways to change our desires biblically. Because I can tell you, until the heart changes, the communication will never change. Listen, we'll never experience the pleasant consequences within our family until our heart changes. So let me share a couple of biblical prerequisites for proper communication. And then I'll close by giving you what many have referred to in four bullet points, the four rules of biblical communication. Prerequisites, here they are. Number one, we must want to please God more than anything or anyone else. There's a prerequisite there. For pleasing God or, or more than anyone else. Now listen to this. And I didn't call for this. So just listen to what the Bible says. In Romans chapter 8 it says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. That's verse number 1. For the law of the spirit of the life of Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Now, if you keep reading and you jump down, and I would encourage you to read that old passage that I've listed there, but if you get down to verse number six, here's what it says. It says, for to be carnally minded is death, But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So if my communication is driven by the fact that I'm walking in the spirit, that I'm allowing the word of God and the wisdom of God to dictate what's coming out of here because it's taken up residency here, then I can know that it's going to be acceptable and it's going to be perfect and it's going to be his will. But if I do anything else, then I can understand that I'm operating from a carnal mind. I'm operating from a point of desire that says, guess what? I want what I want in this moment. And I will not be refused. So we have to, first of all, want to please God more than anything or anyone else. Number two, as we walk worthy of our calling, we need to take a little bite of humble pie. Dad, mom, young people we all could use to take a little bite of humble pie every once in a while, right? As we endeavor, as Paul said, endeavoring to keep the bond, the spirit of unity and the bond of peace. Number three, we must be aware of our accountability to God for everything that we say. As Matthew's text said, not only every word shall we be either justified or judged, but every idle word shall be taken into account. Number four, we must learn how to listen That's a difficult one. That's a difficult one. we got to practice every day. we got to learn how to listen. Proverbs 18, 13 says, He that answereth a matter before you hear it, it is a folly and a shame to him. James 1, in verse number 19, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath, for the wrath of man, watch this, the wrath or the ungodly anger of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Number five, we must understand that communication involves more than just our words. James 4 and 17 says, therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him, it is sin. So if you know what's right, but you just say, you know what? I'm not going to do it. You can be assured that's called sin. If we know what's right and we just say, you know what? I'm not going to exercise that way. I'm not going to use my speech in that way. Then we can know that it is a problem. In fact, uh, volume, tone, facial expressions, hand gestures, sighing, rolling of the eyes, I didn't even mention that before, look of disgust, body posture, all of these indicate what's going on in our heart. Anybody got a problem with their eyes today? I'm not sure, but I think some of you rolled your eyes when I started this message. (laughs) They're like, oh boy, here we go. Here we go, gonna talk about communication. Yep. Because it's important for our family. And hey, listen, I'm willing to share what's important with our family from God's word. Number six, we must be willing to put forth an effort to properly communicate. Romans 12.10 says, Be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love and honor, preferring one another. This also denotes the tender affection that should exist. Watch it, I said should. That should exist between parents and children. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter four. We gotta wrap this up. Ephesians chapter four. I was there on Wednesday night. I wanna encourage you to join us on Wednesday night. Um, We're finishing up our study. We'll be in Ephesians five this week, but uh, we were in this passage on Wednesday night, and I'm just gonna give you these four basic bullet points, and then we'll get out of here. Look at verse 25. Here's what Paul says to the church. He's been talking to them about walking worthy of their calling. He's told them not to walk as as other unbelievers walk. And then he gets here and just before he says to put on the new man which is created uh, after God in, in righteousness and true holiness. And then here's what he says beginning in verse number 25. He says, wherefore, put away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor for we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needs. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good for the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Hmm. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Look at verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Verse number 32. And be ye kind. Amen. Here we go. Be ye kind and tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Here's the rules. Real quick. Number one, be honest. Be honest when you're communicating within your family. Quit trying to cover your tracks. Just be honest. If you, if, you, if, you've, if you messed it up, own it. Quit trying to blame God. Quit trying to blame the devil. Just own your own uh, mistakes here. Look, verse uh, number 25. Be honest. We need to speak, not shut down the truth in love. I've often said that all love and no truth is a hypocrite. But watch this. All truth or all bullying And no love is a bully. We can speak the truth in love. That's what Paul says in Ephesians 4.15. So I want to encourage you in your family, listen, if you're having some communication issues, start by taking rule number one and just be honest. Speak the truth in love. You can point out error without uh, uh, setting yourself as some type of superior uh, specimen of greatness. Rule number two, keep current. Verse 26 said, be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. See, so we have to keep current. We have to deal with our issues in a timely manner. Number three, verse number 29, attack the problem, not the person. Here's what happens in families many times. We attack the person rather than the problem. We come at someone rather than the something that is going on. So attack the issue, not the problem. In fact, we need to remember who we're wrestling against. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Because Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12 says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Our battle is not with one another. My battle. Can I just be really transparent? I joke a lot. And I and and I'm a facetious lot, but you know I thank God every day. My wife and I don't have anger issues. We don't we don't we don't we don't have uh, heated discussions all the time. We just don't. We don't because I know she's right. Uh. Guys, uh, that cost you nothing. You can get that later. We just don't. Like I'm again, I'm joking around. But anybody who knows us, that's not pointing at us. I can tell you the only reason that's possible is because of Christ working in and through us. If it we're up to me, I would blow it every day. But because of Christ, I choose not to blow it every day. By the way, I do have a choice how I speak to my wife. I do have a choice how I speak to my children. I have a choice in how I speak to other people. I can either bring myself, as Paul said to the church at Corinth, under subjection. I can either bring it under the subjection of Almighty God, or I can say, you know what? I'm going to do me today, God. And you know what? The times that I've decided that I'm going to do me are the times that I blow things up, proverbially speaking. So we have to attack the problem, not the person. We need to see beyond our petty anger and disappointment. And then number four, we need to act. Don't react. Listen, get rid of all the bitterness, all the wrath, all the clamor, all the evil speaking, right? And then we need to act, not react. Look at verse uh, 32. It talks about our speech should be kind. It should be tenderhearted. It should be forgiving. <laughs> and by the way, if our speech is ty- kind, tender-hearted, or forgiving, there are sometimes... When we blow it, that we need to be willing to say, I'm sorry. I blew it. Will you forgive me? I blew it. Because I had attitude that wasn't godly. I had thoughts that weren't godly. You see the desire phase? I had all these desires going inside of me. I wanted to be right. I wanted you to hear me. I wanted you to feel my wrath which is not, hey, listen, let God take care of it. He does a better job. Vengeance belongs to him. Let him take care of it. But what we do is we get so caught up in our own emotional world. We say, I'm gonna take care of this and I'm gonna take care of it right now. And when we have that thought, when we have that attitude raging inside of us, I can assure you, I've been there and done that. You don't think I spent a few days in the military? I've had days and fits of anger. I work for some bad characters in the military. I see my military brothers and sisters out here. Not not everyone who puts on the uniform is the best thing since sliced bread. I'm not not discrediting their service. But there's some some angry people. There's some people who have no business putting on any type of officer bar or any type of officer uh, structure on their collar. There's some privates who I respect more than some of the officers I've served with. That's just reality. You want to know why? Because sometimes we let me, myself, and I get so carried away. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouse speaks. I'm in charge. I'm going to do this. I run this joint. I'm going to have my way. Guess what? You can have your way. And when they transfer me to another unit, I'll say, thank you very much, Lord. Goodbye. Oh, I've had that even in the military. That's why we have to be careful. Notice, I put down here my notes, when our heart is right, our desire in communication will be right. Notice this last slide. slide. Notice what happens when our desires are changed to a biblical perspective rather than a selfish perspective. Here it is. When my desire is to please God, when my desire is to become more like Jesus, when my desire is to show love for God and others, then notice what I'm going to do. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to keep current. I'm going to be solution oriented. I'm going to be giving praise where it's required and where it's worthy. I'm going to be acting with kindness and in gentleness. I'm going to be ministering grace and truth to the hearers. And then notice what happens. When the desire is right, the action becomes right. And then notice what the consequences. The consequences of right desires and right actions, they bear or they bear out meaningful relationships, encouragement, hope, peace. Joy in pleasing God. Folks, communication is important. Sticks and stones may break my bones. And you know what words do as well. We have to be careful. Families matter because families matter to God. David prayed this in Psalm 141 and I close. Lord, this is what David said. He said, Lord, I cry unto thee. Make haste unto me. Give ear to my voice when I cry unto thee. Let my prayer be set forth before thee as incense and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Notice what he says in verse 3. He says, set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth and keep the door of my lips Maybe that's what we need to pray today. Maybe we need to ask God, 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 will you, will you, will you set a watch? Will you set a watch before my, wa- before my mouth? Will you keep the door of my lips? God, I want to honor you. I want to give you glory. And I want my words and I want my, my communication this way to benefit my family. And Lord, I need you to set a watch before my mouth because I've messed it up. Maybe that's our prayer today. And so I encourage you, wherever you're at, right? Wherever you're at, that you, would, that you would commit yourself again to a biblical mode, a biblical model of communication that would not only please God, but that it would benefit your family. Lord, I put in my notes, break our heart for what breaks yours. Help us and keep us from uttering words that are not right, that are not needful. Help us to keep ourselves from uttering words that are not right, that are not needful, or not proper. God, may we glorify you with our communication. Father, we love you. God, we praise you for for your word. We praise you for the opportunity that we've had to worship you today. And certainly we are grateful for those who have laid down their lives for our country. And so we recognize that and we honor that today. And God, help us to be mindful of that tomorrow and families and friends who have lost loved ones in in causes such as this, protecting our country. But God, we give you the glory because you laid down your life for us so that we might have forgiveness, that we might have life everlasting. And I would be remiss that if I didn't ask if there's somebody in this room or somebody watching that doesn't know Christ as their Savior, can I tell you that your communication will never change until your heart changes and we can't change our heart on our own that's something that christ does that's something that the word of god does that's something that the holy spirit brings about in our life after we begin this new relationship with jesus so maybe you're here and you say i've heard a lot about jesus i've heard a lot about god but i've never trusted christ what is that all about it's literally about recognizing your need of a savior and, and honestly, honestly coming to the point where you acknowledge that and say, Lord, I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. I believe that you were buried. I believe that you rose again three days later and you conquered death and the hell and the grave. And I believe that you're coming back as your word says one day. I believe that when I take my last breath because of you, I can be with you throughout all eternity. Maybe that's your prayer. She would just call out upon the name of the Lord. The Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you haven't trusted Christ, don't walk away from this building. Don't walk away from this room without praying a simple, quiet prayer unto yourself, asking him to forgive you and to come into your life. If you're here and you say, I, Pastor, I'm a believer, but my communication is gone sideways now and again. I pray that you would recommit yourself. That you would recommit yourself, that you would ask God to strengthen you. That you would give, him, give you, that he would give you the, the ability to speak and to use your words wisely in a way that honors him and in a way that benefits you and your family, your coworkers, your neighbors, whoever it is that you come into contact with. And I pray that you do it right now. Father, we love you, we praise you for the time that we've had in your word. As we open up the, uh, the altar in this time of invitation, God, I pray that you'll be honored and glorified through the decisions and the desires of your people to honor and glorify you in this regard. Lord, we love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.